Hey, The Entrepreneur, and welcome to today's episode. Real quick before we jump in, just a reminder that 2022 is right around the corner. And if you can believe it, I feel like I'm almost full of all my with all my client spots for 2022. So if you are looking for an amazing business coach, if I do say so myself, make sure to visit my website and jump in before all of the spots are gone. And you can find that in the episode notes. And if not, it's Michelle a mercier.com and that is where you will find me but for right now i am jumping in with the incredible krista berry let's go ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel you know asking yourself questions like is this supposed to be this hard or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. Hey there, entrepreneurs, and welcome to today's show. I am happy to welcome this beautiful person to the show because I know her and I, we are going to have a really great conversation. Let me give you a little bit of background about the incredible Krista here. So she is a dynamic keynote speaker, and I can attest to that because I've seen her speak and she's one of the best ones I've probably ever seen. Um, and I don't say that lightly. And she's also the author of the book, Beautiful Badass, How to Believe in Yourself Against the Odds. And the third incredible thing that she does is she's the founder of an organization called She Goes High, which is a thousand plus member women's leadership community, you know, in North Colorado. So Krista, welcome to the show. And thank you so much for spending your time with me. Thank you for having me, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here for this conversation. Yeah. So let's jump in. You have had a doozy of a journey. <laughs> I know you have. Um, and I know that our, you know, our listeners, they like to hear, they like to hear the tough stuff because that's what we're here and about at the Resilient Entrepreneur. So tell us about how you got to your, your level of entrepreneurship as you are today. Absolutely. So my story, I'm going to go back a little further, maybe than most people go and just give you a little background me, on me and tell you, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't grow up in the best of circumstances. And I'm sure that some of your you know, listeners will relate to that. Grew up living in poverty. My family was on welfare, a, a portion of my childhood, a lot of mental illness um, present in my family. And so there were really a lot of barriers and challenges for me um, getting to this point. And, you know, the good side of that is I think that I learned resiliency at a very young age, yeah. <laughs> which has helped me as an entrepreneur. Um, but of course, that means I've had some baggage as well. But basically, you know, I was in a situation because of my family circumstances that I grew up in, you know, I didn't even go to college. And that's something that a lot of people are really surprised to hear about me because you know, I hear people say, but you're so articulate and so intelligent, which by the way, really doesn't have, yeah. it, that's not, <laughs> you don't only get those that. things at college, right? Yeah. <laughs> if anything, 
I don't know, you get some other things at college, but not that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, basically for me, it was like, as soon as I graduated high school, I just immediately started working because my family was so poor and we had been living in welfare for so long that it just became really important for me to start earning money almost right away. So, you know, I've always been a bit of a self-starter from the perspective of, you know, even as a kid, the resources were so few and I was really left to my own resources a lot of the time that I learned to rely on myself and learn to really trust myself. And then, you know, immediately jumping into the workforce without, you know, a degree and just having to learn as I go and having to take advantage of every opportunity that came, that presented itself to me. And, you know, oftentimes throughout my professional career, you know, any, anytime I heard about a training or something that was being on employer, like, well, well, could you send me to this training? Can we do that? You know, if there was an opportunity to cross train, to learn, just really taking advantage of every opportunity that was present and even asking for some that weren't present to try to create a better future for myself. And so I had this idea for many years that I wanted to start a business, but I had I had a few ideas of what it might be. In fact, in high school, I had this whole, I had actually created this whole business plan for a used bookstore. Um, but <laughs> what we know, <laughs> what we know now is that like brick and mortar used bookstores aren't really as successful. Um, <laughs> but it's dodged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I got around to making that a reality. But I'd always had dreams of owning a business. I just really had no clue what that would look like. And I started writing a work-life balance blog in 2010 because I was burned out. I was so burned out. I have a very high sense of responsibility, just really throw myself into everything that I do. And it, I was, it was taking a toll on me for sure. And so I started writing this work-life balance blog as a way to really integrate and implement a lot of the things that I had learned on my journey. And writing about it every week was a, was a great way to practice it because it kept it top of mind and I would yeah. write about what I experienced or what I learned. And so people would start asking me for advice, asking me for career advice or business advice or you know work-life balance advice. And of course I was happy to give people that advice. And then, then they kept saying to me, you should do this for a living. <laughs> and you know, when people would say that to me at first, I really would just think to myself, I, I don't even know, like you, like what would that even look like for people to pay me to give them advice. Like, yeah. I don't even, I don't even have, like, I can't conceptualize what that would be. And it was when I started working with a coach myself um, that I suddenly realized what that it could look like to, you know, pay someone to consult with you on, you know, things like your work-life balance, your career direction, and those types of things. So, you know, once I had an idea of what that could look like, I decided I was going to start my business and I quit my corporate job. <laughs> and I, my goal was to get a part-time job and, and do that while I was getting the business up and running. So I quit my corporate job without having another job lined up, which was a big risk yeah. and found a part-time job. Well, let me tell you what, the entrepreneur journey is not always linear. <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever linear. <laughs> so it was three years from quitting my corporate job before I really got the business going. I mean, I was doing little things here and there, but I think honestly, I just wasn't quite ready. Yeah. yeah. I just yeah. wasn't quite ready. So I had these part-time jobs. And when I say part-time, I mean, most of those jobs, I had a couple different ones. I was working between like 
20 and 25 hours a week, up to 30 at one of them. So mm-hmm. really not that part-time. <laughs> right. right. Especially if you look at like how the hours fell, like, yeah, yeah, you never know. Yep. Exactly. And, you know, honestly, I still was struggling on my own journey with the sense of responsibility that I had. And so even when I was working part-time, <laughs> I still had a really high level of responsibility and gave so much of myself to my job. Right. And, you know, I know a lot of people use a part-time job as a transition into entrepreneurship. And I'm just here to say, I don't know that that's the right path for everyone. Uh, because if you're like me and you do have such a high sense of responsibility and you take that so seriously, it really can be hard to, you know, I, I go all in, like, I don't half-ass anything. I whole ass <laughs> me, every day. everything, you know, it's like, I'm whole ass in it. Yeah, me too. I get it. I, I'm very similar. And I like the fact that you, I like the fact that you said, maybe it's not for everybody. Number one, there's no one sits, one size fits all of anything in this world is what I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think when you are kind of, you know, a whole asser, we're going to, we're just going to cone that, <laughs> coin that term and we're going to put it on t-shirts, whole asser. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's very hard. It's very hard to just kind of, I use, I say that a lot too. And people be like, well, why don't you just like leave it at work, you know, and just shut your brain down and like, you know, just cash, cash the check. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> like, I'm not wired that way. So I think it's very helpful for folks to hear that you aren't either. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so, you know, there's a lot of people that will say like, that's the smart way to do it. And it's like, but it depends on you. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not even only if you're a whole asser or not, you know, there might be other factors that might determine whether or not it makes sense for you to try to have a job while you're launching a business. But for me, it didn't work out. And so the business didn't get launched uh, for three until three years later. And I got fired from (laughs) my job and it was a total blessing in disguise. And basically the day that I got fired, I just said to myself, this is it. I'm either starting this business or I am giving up on this idea and getting a a full-time job again. And I started the business. (laughs) So, you know, again, that getting fired was really, I think what needed to happen, it was the push. I mean, I'm extremely self-motivated, but I'm also, if I make a commitment to someone else, you know, I will put, I can make a commitment to myself and I will not take it as seriously as I take somebody else to someone else. So, you know, it's like, I will prioritize other people over myself. Um, more often than not, I I like to say that I want, that I don't actually still do that, but let's be real. I do still do that. Sometimes (laughs) it's hard. It's hard to break. I mean, especially when you've been trained and conditioned for years and years and years to put yourself behind other people. Right. And you've, and you've also gained your, um, validation throughout life from that. Like that's not, it's not an easy thing to break. And I think sometimes people just say, well, just do it. And you're like, well, duh, I would have thought of that a million years ago. I would have just done it. Like it's not that easy to break. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, the getting fired, like before I got fired, I was crafting my plan to talk to my boss about reducing my hours and, even more and how I was going to, you know, basically plan my exit and really start the business. But it was a blessing in disguise that she fired me because it was like, okay, great. Now there's no strings attached. I'm either going to go all, I'm either going to whole ass this business (laughs) or or not. not. And I whole assed the business (laughs) and started a career coaching business. And, and, you know, it, it was, 
it did, I, you know, we start making some money pretty quickly, but wasn't really making enough to pay myself, of course, for a couple of years. I say, of course, I mean, maybe that's not really assumed or obvious, but I feel like that's a part of entrepreneurship that people don't really talk about until Agreed. after you're in it. And then yes. after you're in it, I think that everyone sort of knows like this, the secret, you know, yeah. <laughs> like a lot of people, when you start a business, you're not actually making any money for the first couple of years yeah. um, your business might be making money, but it also has expenses. So yeah, what exactly. Home is right. And so, you know, that's, that is where I was at. You know, I was bringing, I, I think that first year I didn't really bring home any money, but then the second year it was a little bit, but really not, not much at all, not really a sustaining amount. Um, and so, yeah, there were, there were challenges in that, you know, there were moments that I just was like, what am I doing? Can I do this? I don't know. Uh, it was a little bit helpful to look back at what I'd overcome in my childhood and how I'd already turned things around for myself, because I think on some level I knew I know I can do incredible things. Right. And for anyone who's listening, whether or not you share any part of my background, I promise you, you can do incredible things. Yeah. And like, yeah. look for where you have done those incredible things because you can do it. Like when you have those moments of doubt and those come up in entrepreneurship, this like all the time. Yeah. This, the, this, can I do this? And also this is a big one for me that the itty bitty shitty committee in my head, yeah. you know, it, it says, who do you think you are? Right. Who do right. you think you are to be the one to, to do this? Who do you think you are to take this time for yourself? Who do you think you are? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is, that has got to be one of the, the number one things I hear from entrepreneurs is exactly that. And I, and I love that phrase too. Um, my friend, Christine Gallo uses it all the time as well. The itty bitty shitty committee, because that's what it is. It's that, and it's all those limiting beliefs and the things that at one point in time kept you safe on some level. Right. But now you need to tell them to shut the fuck up because who you think you are is a person who's about to freaking create an amazing business. And like you said, put incredible things out in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, there were definitely, you know, ups and downs, but I had consistent growth and continued to establish a foundation for my business, you know, which felt really good. And there were those moments um, where things just fall into place in entrepreneurship. And, oh, I love those moments. So I love it so when good. things just like fall into place and it's like magic. And then yeah, there yeah. are those times that things just get stagnant or get stuck. And I promise you, it almost always, for me anyway, it almost always relates to how I'm doing emotionally. Yes. And yes. I would like to say that I've got some like amazing strategy, like some amazing business strategy. That's like, if you just implement this strategy or run some Facebook ads or, you know, whatever the thing is, like your business is going to be successful, but it's like, you know, especially when you're a solo entrepreneur and a service-based entrepreneur, I feel like so much of the time, um, those stagnant parts of the business, those stagnant times of the business directly relate to stagnancy in me, emotionally, yes. mentally, energetically, physically. And so it's like so, so important for me to be aware of how I'm doing and to do as much as I can for self-care. So sometimes my business strategy is really like taking care of myself. Yes. Yeah. We say that here. We say that all the time here that, you know, self-care and wellness and all that are business strategies, because when you're looking at the traditional business plan, the one thing that's missing from it is you, 
right? Mm -hmm. Like, like you said, like all the tactical stuff, like how to figure out, you know, optimize your revenue and expenses, all this other stuff. And you're like, okay, but if I'm a puddle on the floor having panic attacks, doesn't really matter what any of that stuff is, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's been ups and downs for me and, and those stuck points and you can't, I can't force my way out of them. I just have to surrender to the process to go through them, to work with what's coming up for me. But my friend Angel and I, she's also an entrepreneur. We came up with um, a phrase for when you have those times that all the stuff that you were doing, it's just, you're not getting, you're not seeing the progress, things aren't working. And so, you know, when things do flow and they click and they fall into place, it is like a magic, magical feeling, right? It feels like this is magic. And then when things get stuck, we decided that that's cosmic constipation. (laughs) That's incredible. We're going to, we're just going to, I'm telling you guys, there's like five different t-shirts and stuff that are coming out of this episode right now. Um, no cosmic constipation is so spot on. Cause it's like the plumbing is clogged. Like something is not computing. And you know, and I really like the fact that you said like, you do have to honor it because it's not going away guys, especially, you know, you and I are going to, we're going to talk transition in a moment to like the mental health issues that come with a lot of this. And that's like, you can't just will away depression. No. Again, I think we all would have done it. <laughs> it was that simple, right. you know, uh, just get over it. Those are my least favorite fucking words <laughs> in the English yeah. language, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And, yeah. When you're stuck in that place, when you are experiencing that cosmic constipation, you know, where it just seems like you, you just have to pause and, and take a, a step back and really address. Usually it's within me, right? Usually it's something for me that I need to do. It's, it's some commitment that I've made outside of my business or sometimes even in it, but usually outside of my business that no longer is working for me, no longer supporting me. And like, I've kind of known I need to set a boundary or to move on, uh, but haven't actually done it yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it might be something like that, or, or it might just be that, um, you know, I've experienced a bout of depression or anxiety or something like that. And it's like, you know, I can't force that away. So, you know, I've had those ups and downs. I, I started a coaching business doing career coaching one-on-one and that was working out pretty well. You know, for me, I was really getting that built up and, and strong. I wrote a book and it was really kind of interesting because my book was not a business book, has nothing to do with career coaching. (laughs) Uh, Against the advice of my business coach, I really just wrote the book that I felt very inspired to write, that I felt called to write. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how this fits in. I just know this is the book I'm supposed to write. And it was similar when I started She Goes High because it's an introvert focused women's leadership group. And while there were certainly tie-ins to my career coaching business, it really wasn't a direct correlation to that. It was really, I started She Goes High as the group that I had been wanting both in my professional career. And then as an entrepreneur, I'd been part of a lot of different groups and professional organizations and enjoyed aspects of them and never quite felt like I fit in, in the way that I wanted, or it was quite really the support that I needed. And so I started a group that was the group that I wanted for me. Um, it was really very selfish. <laughs> it was sort of like writing the book. I wrote the book that I was like, this is what I want to say. I don't know if anyone cares about this. <laughs> this is what I want to say. And then started, she goes, I know like, this is the group that I want to, I want to do. And the introvert focused part was the part that was most relevant to me. Right. Cause as an introvert, I could participate in all of these other groups 
Um, but if you're an introvert like me, you know that a lot of the world is designed towards extroverted yes. preferences, um, which doesn't mean introverts aren't welcome, but it's just, you know, we have to really, as introverts, pump ourselves up or adapt our behavior the way that we do things naturally to uh, really fit in in those types of groups um, where it's extroverted focused and towards extroverted preferences, right? Yes. Yeah. And I was just like, I just want a space where it's like really introvert friendly, where we still do all this personal and professional development and we're still building community and relationships with each other, but it's geared towards introverted preferences that we can really focus on you know, what's cozy and comfortable for introverts and extroverts come anyway. We definitely have some beloved extroverts that show up at our reading uh, in our groups. But, um, you know, I started this group that I wanted for myself selfishly, and it took off in a way that I didn't even expect. And it really changed the direction of my business because I realized that there was something special there. And so I'm at a point now where I'm not even doing one-on-one -on -one coaching anymore. I am doing paid keynote speaking. I am you know, supporting my, my first book, Beautiful Badass, I'm starting to work on my second book and really growing, she goes high. So, you know, I think that's the other thing about entrepreneurship. I think it's important not to jump around from thing to thing. If you're changing what your focus is, um, you know, every year, every six months or whatever, you don't, you aren't building, building up that consistency and that longevity. Right. But I think it's also important to trust yourself and follow the process. And if you're getting the inkling to do something a little different, um, you know, maybe put something out there and see how people respond to it. And if it seems like people are responding to it positively to be willing to let go of like, I spent five years building a career coaching business and then came to a point where I was like, this is awesome, but this isn't the work I meant to do. This other yeah. stuff is the work I meant to do. Yeah. And sometimes you don't know that until you do it. I think mm -hmm. that's, that's the thing that people, don't, don't talk about as much either is that, you know, there's so much emphasis on, again, like the business planning and securing funding and like whatever else may come into the building part of a business. But I've seen a lot of examples where people have built it and then they're like, oh, this is, this was fine. And it, and it served a purpose for, like you said, like whatever the, the stepping stones are, but it's not the end all be all. And I think it's completely natural for stuff to evolve as well as you evolve. Cause especially if you're an entrepreneur and your business is rooted into you, like you said, emotionally and stuff like that, then yeah, you're going to evolve. So why not your business too? And I think truly that's just the human experience because yeah. in my twenties, I worked for a staffing agency in downtown Denver and the most of our attempts that came in were people in their 20s also who had gotten college degrees and either couldn't find jobs in their field or got into their field that they had gotten their degree in and realized it just wasn't for them. Right. And so they would end up at our staffing agency, like, well, I don't know what's next. So I'm going to temp for a while, you know, do some office temping until I figure it out. And so I think it's not even just an entrepreneurial thing. I mean, mm -hmm. I think all of us as human beings, we have this idea in our head of what our life is going to look like. And, and then we're faced with the reality of what it's like to actually live that is sometimes different than what we thought. Yeah, and then other yeah. times we change as people and what worked for us before no longer works for us now, or, you know, we are becoming yeah. something new all of the time. And 
as we grow and as we become more of who we truly are, we find, oh, I didn't even know that this was in me, right? Who do you yeah. think you are? Going back to that question, it's like, yeah. I didn't even know I had this in me. I didn't know I could do this incredible thing. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't even, the answer to who do you think you are? Like you didn't even know that answer on a lot of levels. It wasn't, you know, um, it's something to be discovered and it's something to be consistently evolving. Cause I mean, it's human being, right? Like in your being doesn't just like freeze in the middle of it. It's not a snapshot at any given time. And I, I've always just been a big believer that if you're not kind of, if you're not evolving, you're, you're, you're dying kind of mentality. Whereas like, if you're not constantly kind of learning, not to an exhaustive nature, um, but you know, just trying to find out different things about yourself too, and actively participating in your life is always a good thing too. Well, and I think there's a different energy between the energy of I'm not enough. So I need to keep learning and growing, right? Yes. Like that's one energy that I see in activity. Yes, agreed. Um, particularly in my, in my coaching, when I was doing career coaching as you know, I would see this, this, I'm not enoughness presenting one of the ways that it would present as the, like, I have to keep working on myself. I have to keep improving myself, but it came from the, the viewpoint of like, but because I am not enough, because yes. I am not sufficient. Um, and I think there's a different perspective. You can keep learning and keep growing as a person and as an entrepreneur, and it can come from a place of curiosity rather than a place of not enoughness. It can come from a place of, I'm curious about so many things and I enjoy the process of learning about myself and learning about the world and learning about others. And so the actions may be the same or very similar of learning, but the motivation is very different when you're coming from a place of like, I'm doing this because I'm not enough versus I'm doing this because I'm so curious and I just want to learn more and I have fun doing it. Right. Right. It's almost like an external validation point from, you know, I'm going to fill the void from the outside in versus from the inside out. Right. Mm -hmm. So, which I, I love, I love the way that you just put that where it's, it is about curiosity. You know, it's, it's not about like, am I going to be good at this? (laughs) because, you know, instead, like, will I enjoy this? Is it going to enrich my life? Is it going to bring me joy? Like, you know, there's so many other questions to be asking, you know, and I think, so I want to make sure that we leave time to have, have a conversation about mental health and entrepreneurship. So tell everyone you, you sent over an interesting stat about the percentage of entrepreneurs, um, you know, that deal with mental health issues. Yeah. So there's, Yes, there's a couple of different um, studies that have been done, and one of them um, suggests that entrepreneurs are 50% more likely to report having a mental health condition, and according to that research, entrepreneurs are twice as likely to suffer from depression, six times more likely to suffer from ADHD, three times more likely to suffer from substance abuse, and 10 times more likely to suffer from bipolar disorder. Yeah. Wow. So that is really, really quite significant. And that's just one study I'm referencing. I've, I've read some other studies as well um, that report, you know, similar numbers. And so it really shows that within the entrepreneur, entrepreneur community, mental health is an issue, whether we're talking about it or not, it is an issue. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, they oftentimes too, you find kind of like a comorbidity type of situation as well, where that genius and that crazy, (laughs) I don't like to use the word crazy, but mental health challenges, we'll say neurodiversity, um, you know, are, are coexisting 
as well. You know, I know I have, I have a child who's gifted, but also ADHD and they come together. But mm-hmm. I think there's also something to be said about when you are wild, wired slightly differently, you don't fall into the rinse and repeat formula necessarily for your brain. You don't thrive in that situation. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, what else, what else can you tell us in regards to that realm? Because I know you and I can have a really good conversation around, you know, how to, how to put that face on as well as a leader too, in entrepreneurship and leadership. Well, and I love that you brought that up because I did want to talk about this idea that like the credibility piece and this fear, I mean, there is still a stigma about mental illness, even though it is getting a lot better, but this piece of like, but people won't think I'm credible as a business owner if I talk openly about mental illness. And in fact, in the first year of my business, I was invited to speak about mental illness at this event. And my business coach at the time flat out told me, definitely do not do that. Um, who's going to want to hire a coach that is going up on stage and talking openly about mental illness, you know? And so she, she advised me not to do it. And she was like, this is not, she said, she, she said, I wouldn't want to hire someone. It would make me wonder. It would make me wonder, you know, what kind of business person they were and how could they really help me as a coach. And um, even though I was paying this person as a business coach, and I did learn a lot from this business coach, um, you know, hands down, she had so much wisdom to share with me. But this is one piece that, you know, again, going back to the curiosity, I, you know, was really learning to be more curious about things. And I was curious about the advice that she gave me. And ultimately, you know, once again, my rebel side came out and I was like, I just feel like this is important for me to do. Um, I don't want to stay quiet about this. Um, I want to help other people that might be going through this. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. And I got up on stage and I told my story. And as far as I know, there were no negative impacts to my business. I mean, whether one individual has ever seen that video and decided not to reach out to me, that's fine. I mean, I've had clients I've stayed, you know, I've stayed in business. (laughs) Exactly. despite that. And, and actually I've had far more people come to me and say, thank you for talking openly about this. And I've had people hire me because I've been open about it because they're experiencing those things too. And they're like, I don't know how to function as a business owner, as an entrepreneur with these things going. So, I mean, I really feel like it's important to be open and honest about it. And I don't think it necessarily hurts credibility. It really depends on how you do it. You know, I mean, if you're inconsistent in your business, if you're missing appointments because you're having a mental health crisis, I mean, those kinds of things may, may happen. And hopefully you have good systems in place to try to avoid that as much as possible. Um, So, you know, you do want to try to be consistent in your business. You do want to try to, you know, meet your commitments as much as you can, but I think it's okay to say, you know, I'm struggling. This is what I'm struggling with. And in fact, um, with the She Goes High newsletter, there was a time I was going through a divorce. I was going through a very difficult stage of perimenopause and had just had some other losses and lost my my dog 13 years passed away all of these things happened and I was really struggling with depression hardcore at that time and I sent out a newsletter to our she goes high mailing list and I just openly talked about the fact of like how I was struggling that I was depressed and I got more responses to that newsletter than to any newsletter I have ever sent out 
and yep. just people saying, oh my gosh, you know, I've been going through some tough times. I had people, you know, hit reply to the newsletter and emailing me back and telling me what they were going through and how they were just so relieved to hear someone talk about their challenges because it gave them permission to yes. be open about theirs. And I think that after I sent that newsletter, I did get like maybe three unsubscribes, but you know, every time you send a newsletter, you get a couple unsubscribes anyway. Right. Um, and I was totally okay with that because I helped far more people just by being honest about my journey than the people who were turned off by that message or the people who were not ready to be as honest with themselves. And, you know, and that was okay. I was totally okay with that. So this idea that like, we have to show up as these perfect versions of ourselves are like without flaws, or I can't show you my wounds. I can only show you my scars. I can't talk about the fact that I'm going through a hard time. I have to get it all together. First, I have to turn inward. Yeah. I have to self-resource, get it all figured out for myself. And then after I'm better, now I can come out and say, I, oh, yes, I experienced this hard time. I don't know that I believe that. No. And I mean, not to mention like, that's exhausting. You know, like, I think you and I both attest to the fact of like, I mean, I've done it. I've done it. I've been done that for a long, long time. And I think just to clarify here, though, there's a difference between um, openly speaking about things before you've had the, the chance to process it and really work through it versus after or when you're in a good space to talk about it. Because I think there is that kind of interesting place where, you know, maybe you're not ready to hear what somebody has to say, like you said, maybe somebody sitting in the audience didn't, couldn't hear it yet, or, you know, you're just not ready to share it yet. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's very important for people to understand that me too factor that comes when you say, it, because I experience the exact same thing, like all the time. I don't, I can't tell you if there is a speaking engagement that I haven't experienced something like you just described, if I'm honest, you know, mm -hmm. because people are waiting for somebody to speak first about the tough stuff, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And and again, I don't think that it's hurt my credibility or, or maybe yeah. the few people that um, have felt like I was less credible. I'm okay with that. Like I don't, I'm not trying to run a business being liked by everyone, trying to serve everyone. Cause first of all, I know that's impossible. Exactly. I can't, even if I did try. Right, there's <laughs> billions have... of people, yeah. <laughs> Right. And, and secondly, I know my ability to help the people that I can't help to have the greatest impact on the world comes from starting where I am. You know, that was such a big concept I addressed in my book around the topic of privilege and, you know, where we are coming from. It's like, you can't start further down the path than you are. You have to start where you, where you are. You have to acknowledge where you are and start where you are. And that's actually where our greatest power comes from. It doesn't come from being something that we're not. It comes right. from acknowledging what we are and saying, I can start from here. You know, I may not be able to do anything, right? Because that floats out there, this motivational idea, like you can be anything you want to be. And it sounds great. Yeah, it sounds great on the surface. Like that's so positive. But the truth is, is that most of us can't be anything. We can't do anything, but we can do something. Right. So what's the something that you can do and go out and be the best at that something, the best that you can be. Um, and that's to me is a more powerful message than you can be anything. You can go do anything you want to, because in reality, I think a lot of us, when we buy into that and we try to 
do it all as it were. Right. Um, when we fall short, we feel like we're somehow broken or there's something wrong with us. Or, um, you know, the reason I failed at doing the anything, you know, is clearly because I'm somehow wrong. I'm not right. enough right. rather than just saying, I can't do anything, but I can do something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's completely in relevance with, um, like you said, where you are at this stage of life, can you do anything? Sure. Maybe, but there's about 15 million steps before that. (laughs) Right. Like, like, so to your point, like what's the something you can do right now that is in alignment with where you are during this chapter of your life and which feeds itself into what the definition of success is during this chapter of your Mm -hmm. life as well. Cause if you are dealing with mental health challenges, the lows of that, and you're in the, you know, you're really in the throw of a low point of that, then your definition of success is going to look a lot differently than when you're firing all on all cylinders. Right. And we, you know, I feel like it's important to continually redefine what success yes. looks like based Absolutely. on where you're at today and what your circumstances are today. And to really be, you know, to know that it's okay to not be doing as well. I mean, particularly as I was going through perimenopause, a lot of my mental health challenges, became much more significant. And in fact, I I ended up finding a bunch of research that stated uh, that if you have ever experienced depression or anxiety or any kind of mental health issue, that um, it's much more likely to recur for you during perimenopause. Mm, Makes sense. And, And so, you know, that process really threw me for a loop because I had all this stuff come up, things that I had dealt with that I had really good tools around, things that I felt like I knew really well how to manage and had been very well managed for some time all of a sudden felt very unmanaged and my ability to function in my business looked very differently than it had before. And there was absolutely a discomfort around that and a grieving process around that. And a lot of frustration around that at times of feeling like, but I should be, you know, the should started to come into play, like, but I should be able to do more. I know I can do more, but it's like, but right now I can't. Yeah. And so, you know, what can I do right now? And let me just try to do the best that I can at the things that I can do yeah. um, rather than getting frustrated with myself and for the things that I can't do right now is just really being honest about that. And what can I do? And then, you know, again, coming into play the 80, 20 rule that, you know, 80% of your results are going to come from 20% yeah. of your actions. And so like, that's a great time to feel when you're going through a mental health crisis is like, okay, cool. What's the 20% that is going to get the biggest results. And can I give myself a break and not worry about doing the rest of it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think number one, you have to acknowledge that it's a thing that impacts your life, right? Like your mental state actually, believe it or not, folks (laughs) impacts, you know, your ability to be successful and your ability to, to function. And to your point on some days, I mean, I'm just thinking of like the therapists that have told me like, go back to basics, right? When, when you're in the throes of depression or anxiety or any mental health crisis, you know, it's like, did I shower today? Did I eat today? Did I sleep last night? Did I, you know, the, the, core things that you need to do to stabilize your mental health and the building blocks to come up for it. But so often to your point, people are like, oh, well, I did those, but I didn't do these other 50 things. So I suck. No, no, no. Like reset your expectations in those seasons significantly and celebrate the hell out of the smaller things that you did, you know, accomplish in that day. 
Well, it's a little counterintuitive. A good friend of mine, Allie Owens, she um, she's talked openly about this in public. So I feel comfortable sharing this. Yeah. You know, she went through a depressive episode and she was looking at how she was scheduling her self-care and she realized she, she literally went to her calendar and took everything off and scheduled in her self-care first. And yes. then was like, what can I fit in around this? What business activities can I do around this? And, you know, it, it, it felt like a very bold thing to do. And like, can I do that? You know, I need to do these other things first and then fit in self-care. But what if the reverse is actually true? Yes. What if it's the self-care is the priority and then I fit in the other things? Because the truth is, is that, you know, and I know this for myself, when I try to do more than I can actually do, I will fall short. I yes, will yeah. disappoint people. I will not be able to do it. And so stopping to prioritize self-care first is very much the building blocks for allowing me to be better and meet my other commitments. But it's, it's not how we tend to think about things. We think about, let me, let me take care of these things first, then with whatever time's left over, I'll take care of what I need to do for myself. But what if it's really the reverse? Yeah. No, I mean, I've, I've learned something very similar the hard way over the last couple of years as well, where it's like, no, it's not an afterthought. And can I ask you, um, what, how do you define self-care? Because I know this is an ongoing, you know, conversation with folks that it's not necessarily pedicures, manicures, all that. Maybe it's a internal wholeness, whatever that looks like. How do you define it? Yeah, you know, and I have two whole chapters in my book about this topic. And so it's like, I have the basics of self-care and then it's like the self-care beyond the basics. And so the basics are the things like you were talking about, you know, showering, eating, drinking water, you know, moving your body. And I'm not talking about an intensive exercise routine necessarily. I mean, maybe it's not for you or maybe it's just getting up to go for a walk every day. Um, so those are some of the basics, right? It's just literally taking care of your physical needs first. Right. Um, and your emotional needs. But then beyond that, I think it goes to the, the advanced level of self-care is things like setting boundaries, yes. um, you know, making time for your hobbies and interests, time for creativity, and right? It goes beyond. And if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I think yes, that, yes. you know, everything, all of those needs are part of self-care, but it's like, where are you in the triangle? Are you at the bottom where you're like, just trying to get your basic needs met, then focus there. Or are you at the top and you're at the self-actualization level? That's all self-care in my opinion, any level on the, on the triangle. And it's just, where am I at today? Which ones do, which of these needs do I need to address first? Yeah. And let me address those. And so you might move up and down that scale where you're like, today is, I just need to meet my basic needs. Or you might be at a level where you're like, my basic needs are met my inner, you know, intermediary needs are met. And I'm like at that self-actualization level. And that is self-care is for me to pursue that. Yes. Yes. Thank you for bringing up Maslow because <laughs> it's one of my favorite, my favorite things, because I think at, at the end of the day, the, the objective behind self-care is to get a need met. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I think, you know, we, who was I listening to the other day, Glennon Doyle was talking about like, there's easy buttons when it comes to getting your needs met, like let's put a bandaid on something, right. Or escapism or whatever it may be. And then there's the ways that actually get your needs met. And people don't often think about like those, 
the categories of those and if they are genuinely getting that need met versus just kind of feeling like they are for five seconds, but not deeply getting it met. Does that make sense? Yeah. I also want to say on the topic of self-care, because I don't think this gets addressed a lot. When we think of self-care, I think many of us think of things we do for ourselves, like it's Mm -hmm. truly self. Um, But there's something else I wrote about in my book is this concept of community care, which is allowing others to care for us as well. And I think allowing my community to care for me is also a version of self-care. Um, because what I can do for myself, there are limits. There are limits to what I can do for myself and really allowing other people to come in and support me as well is, is such a powerful experience. And it helps me recover more quickly from if I, you know, happen to be going through a mental health crisis or right now I literally just moved and going through a move. And uh, uh, my friend Tammy said, um, I would like to put together a group of people to come over and help you clean your old place after your move out. Would you be open to receiving that? And I really wanted to say, no, 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 I've got it handled. Like, I don't need that help, right? Like, I don't need it from a very basic level. Like, I'm capable of cleaning the old place by myself. Uh, But I thought, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have that help, to receive that help? just because I'm capable of doing that cleaning my on my own doesn't mean I have to do it on my own. What if I don't have to wait to receive help until I've absolutely exhausted all my other options. And I'm literally in a place of such severe need that it's like, I literally cannot do this on my own. What if I could be open to receiving help, even when I am capable of doing something on my own, And it doesn't have to be about, I'm only allowed to receive that support from others when I'm incapable. What if I can receive that support even when I am capable just to enrich my life, just to make things easier? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that you don't get like the badge of honor for, you know, martyrdom either around that too, right? Like you don't, it's this, (laughs) it's this like code of silence. Sometimes I see, I, I would say it's just a woman thing, but it's not, I think it's on both sides. Right. Um, or on all sides rather. So I think it's, it's something to be said about not about asking for help before you are passed out and crawling across the finish line, because, you know, it does, it takes a village, not just to raise children, but to like support adults um, and to support us. And I think we are communal beings. So, you know, forming that community. And I'm so glad that you have that in your life where people actually proactively say that to you as well, because I think that's another thing that if you start to ask, then people know it's okay to say it, offer it as well. And then they know that they can ask and then that you'll offer as well. And around and around we go and it, it just, you know, creates such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, well, I could just, we could go on forever and ever and ever with this. Um, it's one of my favorite topics and I know it's yours too, but we cannot or else we'll be on here for a three hour podcast. So um, can you please tell folks where they can go and find you, my dear, and buy the book and all that good stuff? Absolutely. So uh, the best way to find everything uh, that you would probably need to know about me is to go to my website, liveandlovework.com liveandlovework.com. And you can find links for my book there. You can find links for She Goes High, as well as information on my speaking and booking me potentially as a keynote speaker. And so that is the best place to go. But also you can order my book from any major online retailer or even from a local indie store. If you really love supporting small business, uh, they should be able to special order the book there as well. Good, good. 
Um, thank you so much, my dear, for this conversation. I know it was, it was very needed, I'm sure, by folks. Um, there's always somebody out there that needs the message, right? Like we were talking about before. So thank you for, for giving me your time today. Absolutely. I love this. And if we, if you ever want to have a part two, cause I think we could just go on and on. You let me know. <laughs> oh, I will. I know where to find you. <laughs> so I know that you guys hear me probably say like, oh my gosh, could talk about this for hours with a lot of people, but you know, this topic is one that is really near and dear to my heart because, you know, I deal with depression, anxiety. I have a long, longstanding family history as well with some of these things. And it's no joke. It really isn't. And I think sometimes we do expect ourselves, depending on the season that we're in, to just keep performing at the same level. And when the when the winds change, when the season changes, you cannot expect yourself to perform at the same level as you did when the waters were calm and everything was going smoothly. So, you know, and if you are somebody who is listening to this, Number one, we're not doctors. We're just telling you our personal experiences of it. But if you are looking, you know, for a little extra help, please, you know, there are some amazing resources out there like NAMI, N-A-M-I.org. The National Association of Mental Illness is great. You know, you can Google it, but just reach out, even heck, reach out for me and I will find your resource if you need it. Um, But, you know, you don't have to be alone in this and it's not something that you should stay silent on either. And on next week's episode, I am speaking to my friend, Marg Zimlowski, who has a story unlike any other one I've heard in a really long time. Everything from being placed on Interpol's most wanted list, how he got off of that list, you know, creating a startup in Africa, just some crazy, crazy stories um, where adversity is definitely at the center and resilience is the key. So you will not want to miss that. And as always, if you love this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, review, follow all those good things. And, you know, tell a friend because who wouldn't like a little more resilience in their life, right? See you later. 